Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monty's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. The 43rd Ryder Cup is finally here as Whistling Straits hosts golf's greatest spectacle. We preview the match, pick our winners and hear from Tommy Fleetwood. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf, trusted for seven wins worldwide this week. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark and I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, Tom. Yeah, I'm good. I'm a little bit tired already, but uh, just got to power through what is going to be an amazing week. So yeah, very, very excited for the 43rd Ryder Cup. Had a three-year delay now, so you know the excitement's been building and uh, can't believe that it's actually finally here. Yeah, I know. It's going to be a cracking week, isn't it? Uh, really looking forward to it. Can't wait for the golf to actually begin on uh, on Friday. I'm playing golf this weekend and you're kind of in charge, aren't you? So, um, you know, I've, got, I've got, got you all in a good place, haven't I? But I'm, I cannot wait to just have a beer and watch the golf, whereas you probably be working, watching the golf and having a beer. Yeah, you've kind of abandoned us a little bit, haven't you? Well, that's, well, maybe a little bit. <laughs> but um yeah you know i've left you well i've left you in a good place i've given you all my knowledge and um yeah no, we, oh, I, I can't just can't wait you know we're gonna we've got a fantastic load of content going out and um including of course this podcast which has loads of great stuff on it including hearing from one of the rider cuppers in the form of tommy fleetwood who talks really candidly to nick doherty when we uh, spoke to him recently and uh, yeah, we'll hear from him, him in the in the near future. But um, have you been playing golf this week, then, Elliot? Yourself? Yeah, played. Uh, oh, actually, I played Sunningdale last week. Completely forgotten about it. Time goes so fast. So I played uh, the old course on Tuesday, which was um, just special. It's really hard to describe how much I love Sunningdale and the feeling in my heart when I just go through those gates and get on site because it is honestly just. Yeah, it's just too hard to describe how much I love that place. Um, and then we played West Byfleet the day after, which was, uh, of course, my home club. Uh, brought the Golf Monthly team along, apart from you, basically. Well, that's a bit hard. It wasn't just me missing, but yeah, I wish I can like it. And then, yeah, played Tandridge yesterday, which is uh, another amazing golf course. So I uh, had quite a good week. I've been putting all my scorecards in again, and my handicap is up to 4.3 now, which... Uh, it's quite a good improvement because it was 2.0 about a month ago. So uh, I'm starting to get a bit more of a more accurate handicap, thankfully. Good. I'm just checking out your scores now. You shot an 80 yesterday at Tandridge. Yeah, look at my front nine. Let's have a look at your front nine. Just opening up. Bogey, bogey. Oh, yeah, you shot level par front nine. Yeah, 10 over back. Oh, that's a... Maybe nine over back. Did you deliberately play badly because you wanted your handicap to go up? Uh, no, I stepped on the 10th tee thinking this could be my first ever round under par and then proceeded to go double, single, double, triple, double, double. Nice. Did you uh, go into any of Tanja's bunkers? Uh, a couple of them, yeah. They're, they're amazing, aren't they? Harry Colt inspired. I think they've been fully regenerated and yeah it's an, an amazing course uh, yeah they're quite uh deep some of them aren't they so uh, yeah, yeah. i love, love tandry so a bit disappointed i didn't get the didn't get the invite but never mind Elliot. i'll uh i'll talk to uh talk to you about that another day um but uh yeah no well you played loads of golf this last week and i played none but um i have got a golf weekend this weekend that's why i am not working although of course i will be there in spirit um and I'm playing at Old Thorns this week, and I can't wait either because it's fantastic. We haven't been there for a good few years. Uh, we're supposed to go there last year, got cancelled because of COVID. So yeah, really, really looking forward to a fantastic hotel. They've got some new apartments there, I think, which uh, look really nice. Not that we're being apartments, I don't think. Uh, and the course, which is spectacular, very um, amazing views uh, over over Hampshire. You go, you get up quite high, and you can just see for miles and miles and miles all this uh all these trees and forest and it's it's brilliant it's lovely have you ever been there on it no never been there uh played lip hook played hindhead that are just around the corner but never that one um weren't you there for the the Ryder cup last time or something 
I was there, believe it or not, Elliot, that was five years ago. Really? Yeah, so I, I was there for the previous US Ryder Cup. Ah, oh, right. That's when I was on Interrail around Europe, so God knows who was working that week. Oh, it is. I think, well, life was a little bit different five years ago. I've been <laughs> so, uh, uh, no, yeah, we had people coming, but um, it's, uh, oh, no, it's, it's, it's a really nice, it's a really good place for a golf weekend, very busy, lovely food and all that. So I cannot wait. It's going to be really good. There's 36 of us going, Elliot. Wow. That's a decent golf weekend, isn't it? So, That's brilliant. Yeah, we play uh, two two teams. I'm the captain of one team. My brother's the captain of the other team. And uh, the golf, it's not about the golf, really. It's about <laughs> about the after golf, as it were. So, uh, yeah, can't, uh, can't wait. It should be fantastic. The famous Clark Cup. No, this isn't the Clark Cup. Actually. Oh, right. The Clark Cup is actually um, in March. We play it in March. And that is just something because it's basically, well, me and my brother, well, basically, my brother organizes everything. Uh, and um, so, yeah, we have this is actually the Smith Carmen Cup uh, originally, and, but only one of them now comes to the weekends. But uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic uh, weekend away. And I'm sure there's loads of people up and down the country who are going away to, together and enjoying golf breaks, which they weren't allowed to do last year. So uh, I'll be doing the same this weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. And watching the Ryder Cup and messaging you saying, have you done this yet? Which I'm sure you will have everything in uh, in play. And I uh, can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. There's going to be loads of people watching the golf this weekend, I'm sure. And there was probably quite a few people watching the golf at the weekend just gone as well so um we're just gonna have a quick recap of what happened firstly the full net championship on the pga tour max homer won his third pga tour title shot a closing 65 to win by one and he's up to career best of 31st in the world i was had no idea he was going to be up that high in the world rankings he's playing quite well isn't he yeah um had a massive win at the genesis this year in his hometown la boy i think so yeah massive win for him in california yet again I actually thought he was higher than that due to that victory. What is it, a Riviera? Um, but clearly not, and turned into quite a prolific winner now. Won twice this year, I think, twice in 18 starts or something. Then before that, he um, he had an awful lot of PGA Tour starts without a victory, so or with only one victory because he did win at the Wells Fargo a couple of years ago. But yeah, fair play to him. Maybe he can be on the Ryder Cup team next time. I did think he might have made it actually after that win in January or February, but. Um, yeah, very talented player. And as we know, one of golf's great characters too, especially on uh, on Twitter. Yeah, he's, been, he's a, a big character. And he has, he ha you know, he's probably a little bit disappointed because he has had a very decent year. He's had six top tens with two wins. Uh, it's just the case he's had six missed cuts as well. And those missed cuts have come at the, the US Open, the PGA, uh, the Masters. And the players, so quite big tournaments to miss the cut on. Whereas actually, if he'd actually had a couple of decent results there, you know, I think he would have really pushed his uh, world ranking up. But he's obviously a very talented player, up to thirty first in the world, and his, his best, his best world ranking. So um, he's got a chance to to push on next year, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and then there was also uh, the Dutch Open on the European Tour, and after coming through six years of hell. As he put it, Sweden's Christopher Broberg won his second European Tour title at the Dutch Open. Now, this is a, a big ranking uh, climb. 772nd in the world he was before this week, and he's now up to 237th. Quite the story. Yeah, um, an amazing, I think it was 11 under par third round to take him eight ahead uh, with one day to go, which when you haven't won on tour in six years, you're probably not used to that. And um, yeah, no surprise that he shot a level par in the final round. Uh, Matthias Schmidt came second, who was, uh, of course, the Open Silver medalist, who I, I tipped last week. So hopefully we got some each-way money there for some of you. Um, and yeah, good to have him back. I remember, I think he won three times on the Challenge Tour in one season to get like an automatic promotion. Then he went and won the BMW Masters in 15, where he took down Patrick Reed in the final group, or the final round, should I say. And yeah, obviously an amazing talent. Uh, another very good Swedish golfer, and it's good to see him back. And the reaction was incredible. like Just completely broke down in tears and he couldn't even talk. So uh, I'm not sure what hell he's been through, but clearly it's yeah been quite a struggle for him. 
So he actually won four times on the Challenge Tour in 2012. Did he? Finished second at the Dunhill Championship as well that year. Um, he won the BMW Masters in 2015. And at that point, so his world ranking was as high as 64 in 2015. At the start of this year, so yeah, fast forward quite a few years. At the start of this year, he was uh, outside the world's top. He, he was ridiculous. Hang on, let me just look at this. He was 1,973rd in the in the world. Wow. And he's now 237th. So that's a, a heck of a rise um, and fair play to him. You know that's an, that's an incredible leap up the world rankings, and well done to him. He he's finished sixteenth at Abu Dhabi, which obviously really helped him, really pushed him up the world rankings, pushed him jump up about a thousand places. Was then twelfth at the Scandinavian Mixed, and then of course now has that win as well. So uh, obviously had some talent. Has been through a lot of stuff, whether that's injury or other bits and pieces. You know it's really good to have uh, you know someone who's clearly a very good golfer back at the top of the game. Yeah, oh, it must be injury. He played once in 2018, I can see. That's incredible. And how does a guy who's almost ranked 2,000 in the world get to play the Abu Dhabi Rolex Series event? It's uh, strange, isn't it? And obviously the Dutch Open isn't the biggest event on the, the European Tour, but it just goes to show how massive these smaller weeks can be for the likes of Christopher Broberg and the journeyman, because he'll now have his European Tour status locked in for, I think, at least two years. Uh, and yeah, good on him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and before we we move on, we're going to talk about obviously about the Ryder Cup. There's one thing I want to talk about, which is Patrick Cantley won the PJ Tour Player of the Year. One question for you, Elliot. John Rahm? Was that a question? Yeah, John Rahm, question mark? Um, yeah, I'm afraid the PJ Tour Player of the Year award is now um, basically just whoever won the FedEx Cup. So really strange. I mean, Patrick Cantley uh, won four times on the PGA Tour this season, but he's only got two official wins because he didn't actually win the Tour Championship, which John Rahm won. Um, yeah, it's strange. And then he, he obviously won the Memorial Tournament, which John Rahm was six clear uh, after 54 holes. Um, Cantley, did he miss all the cuts in the majors? Oh, that's a that's a good stat if he did. Hang on, he missed the cut at the Open. He didn't. Sorry, missed the cut at the Masters. Fifteenth at the US Open. That's a bad stat. Twenty third at the PJ Championship. <laughs> so he didn't finish inside the top ten in a single major, and he's the PJ oh, Tour Player miss, of the Year. He did miss the cut of the players. So he missed three. If you talk about those five big, the five biggest tournaments, he missed the cut three times. Um, I mean, I think it's when you, I know it's the PGA tours player of the year yeah so they obviously they look at the whole of the pga tour but when you when you remember ram winning his first major being world number one and uh obviously the stuff that he's had to go through this year with being bad and having you know losing that event because he because he had got covid or got told he had covid halfway through um yeah it's pretty hard to take isn't it yeah, it's just wrong. John Rahm's the best player this year, um, and he should have won everything, basically. So, um, yeah, fair play, Cantley. He's had a great year. FedEx Cup format, as discussed previously on this podcast, is completely wrong, um, and uh, Cantley's done very, very well out of it. Also, sorry, this is I hadn't seen this. I'm just looking at Rahm's um, results for the year. Players' Championship, ninth. Masters' Championship, fifth. PJ Championship, eighth. US Open first, Open third. Yeah, um, he, good know, result in the Masters Championship, tied fifth. Sorry, the, sorry, the Masters. <laughs> sorry, I was just saying the word Championship a lot there. Uh, but he's had, he's had. Let me look at this. Thirteen top tens this year, and missed just two cuts. Uh, yeah, and he should have had another victory at the Memorial as he well. Did, he did have a miscut. He did have a miscut at the weekend, didn't he? Um, which we were, I mean, we were a bit surprised that he was even playing. And then he, I don't know if you saw in his interview before saying he'd actually been not been very well either. He'd feeling a bit under the weather. So he must have had a sponsor's invite or something. He, he must have had a, he must have had to play because of a sponsorship or something like that. Yeah, it was strange saying how run down he was. Uh, he had to pull out the program as well. I think it was a stomach issue, but then he was saying he's 
you know, very tired. He's obviously just had his first baby as well, I think, in April. Tested positive for COVID twice. Won his first major. It's been a crazy season for him, and it's um, probably good for Harrington and the European fans that he missed out on the weekend and, you know, has had a couple extra days to fully focus on Whistling Straits. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think maybe, I mean, Ryder Cup is obviously very full on um, for all the guys. I hope actually the energy, the positive energy around it will actually uh, help pick him up. So um, before we talk about the Ryder Cup, it's time to talk about our sponsor, Titleist. After the Pro V1 golf ball claimed seven worldwide wins this past week. First up, Titleist brand ambassador Max Homer placed his trust in the number one ball in golf to capture the first PJ Tour victory of the 2021-2022 PJ Tour season at the Fortinet Championship. He also had 14 Titleist golf clubs in his bag, including the TSI 3 driver, TSI 2 fairway metals, Vokey Design SM8 wedges and Scotty Cameron Phantom X 11.5 putter. The American was joined in the winner's circle by Pro V1X loyalist Jin Young-Ko, who won for the second time with three starts on the LPGA Tour at the Cambia Portland Classic. That was the number one brand in golf's 21st victory in the 24 events held on the LPGA Tour this season. In addition, Titus players also won the Korean Tour, PGA Tour Champions, McKenzie Tour, Japan Golf Tour and the Sunshine Tour. To find out more about Titleist's fantastic product lineup in 2021, head to titleist.co.uk. So it's time to talk about the Ryder Cup. And before me and Elliot start talking, let's hear from one of the Ryder Cuppers. As I mentioned at the start, we um, were at an event where Tommy Fleetwood was speaking to Nick Doherty and he chatted about a lot of stuff. But in particular, he was um, chatting about the Ryder Cup. He was there as a Tag Her ambassador. So do this now. And uh, it's a really, really good 10 minutes or so of interview, really insightful. So uh, enjoy it. It's great to have Fairway Jesus with us today, isn't it? And uh, Tommy, we're going we're gonna to look forward to the Ryder Cup, but we're first of all going to talk about your form at the moment. It's really picked up the last couple of weeks. How do you like your two it's getting, finishes? It's getting better, isn't it? Um, it's, been, like, it's been a tough year. Like Your game ebbs and flows, doesn't it? And you find form and you lose form, I think. Um, I think the standard of golf is a joke at the moment. Like um, I shot five under yesterday and moved up two places. I mean, on a hard golf course. So I think when you aren't playing well um, at the moment, it's just getting highlighted. Um, courses are tough, margin for errors are small. And it's hard to get momentum when it's like that. So I think, um, yeah, like I'm happy that I'm sort of starting to play well. Italy was great. Um, just put in, I put like three and a half rounds together. Um, but like just being up there in contention and hitting some shots under pressure was great. And um, at the end of the day, for what's been a bit of a struggle of a year, of a year the Open was back, played well in the Open. I played in the Olympics and playing a Ryder Cup, so it's, it's not that bad. No, it's looked pretty good to us from the outside. And of course, you are now going back to the scene of, well, some of our memorable moments. When we did the Ryder Cup picks yesterday, one of the things we ran in as the VT was obviously you doing the... Uh, I was watching it. it was I was watching you on TV, I mean, innit? You, you forget how deep that squat was, don't you? On, on the 16th green. Piece, piece of cake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it was amazing scenes at the Golf <laughs> National. How good does it feel to be going back to the Ryder Cup this time? Yeah, I, I think I'm excited to play one in America. Um, and just experience the different environment. I think from what the more experienced guys say, like you have to sort of try and thrive in that environment, enjoy the fans being against you. Um, for me, what I took away from that last Ryder Cup is what a family everybody becomes, um, how together you all are and those memories and the bond that you take with you. So um, like just so excited to be part of that again and, and go into like hostile territory, I guess, and try and bring it on. Give us an insight into that then as well. Something maybe from the, because there's a small group of people here, but the, yeah. it's something that feels like, give us an idea what it's like in those team rooms. Because with some of the Titans that have done many of them before yeah, as yeah. well, you go in as underdogs yeah. usually, even though it was a home match for you last time. What's it like in the team room? Who, who are the ones that give you that buzz where you sort of, you know, raises the hairs well, on the back of your Yeah, neck? I mean, I think, um, I think the amazing thing about Team Europe is um, from, you know, from uh, Rory McIlroy or a John Rahm to, you know, whoever anybody would consider the, the 12th man, if you like, which nobody would ever think that, but everybody goes in on a, on an, on a very 
completely even level. Once you walk into Team Europe's locker room or the team room, um, everybody is there to help each other. I think you have strong personalities that are a central piece of the room. For instance, like it doesn't matter what's going on, Sergio will be right in the middle of it. Um, and then you have like the calmer, quiet guys that are sort of a um, like just a solid presence that are there. I think the the thing about the Ryder Cup is when you look at it, it's such a humongous occasion. There are you see the scenes of fans there until all hours. Um, you know, hundreds of thousands of people um, going on channels all across the world, and then you have your twelve players. Um, your wives, your caddies, captains, vice captains, and the backroom staff, and that's all you have. And you don't see anything else that week. Um, you're just in it together, and that's your bubble. And your life isn't your own. Like, there's so much to do. And then you play on a golf course, there's eight of you going out in front of 70,000 people on a golf course, which we never do. Um, so you do, you just, you just create this like humongous bond. And like I say, there's always somebody to either pick you up if um, you need a bit of help, um, there's always somebody to turn to if you want a bit of advice. Um, and you know, if you just want to sit there and be quiet, there's always somebody to sit next to and just be with somebody. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's an amazing experience, it really is. And for such an individual sport for us, like it's, it's just the best like occasion. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, it, it's going to feel very different to the last occasion, though, where yeah. you're popular every go. Everyone loves a bit of Tommy Fleetwood, don't they? But maybe not when we go to America, because obviously it's going to be a partisan crowd, especially in the current times we're yeah. in. They're not going to make the trip over, the usual fans yeah. that would be there for something like that. How will that feel, do you anticipate? What, what will that be like? How do you use it? I asked Ian that last night, but how would you use that feeling? Because they're going to be very much rooting against you quite outwardly. Yeah, I, I don't know whether you try and keep them quiet or you try and get them noisy, because then you're doing something right where they're trying to put you off. I, I just think... Um, it is what it is. It's part of the Ryder Cup is the home and away fans. Um, I'm really sort of looking forward to seeing what it's like to play in that kind of environment where, uh, I mean, you always get the, the odd like, heckle um, when you're playing, but to have thousands of them doing it at once will be different for sure. And um, I have, I've always been lucky where people have like been very kind to me, connected with me a lot. Um, I guess that's not going to be the case, but we'll we'll see. Um, it'll be fine. Like like I say, you do it together, win or lose, and and we'll see. What sort of heckle are you anticipating? Maybe something aimed at the hair. You, you probably. Think, I mean, probably they can have a go at any part of me, and and I'll take it on the chin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give us an idea uh, of what you make of that US side, because you know, without trying to dodge it, it, it on paper, once again they look phenomenal, don't they? They always do. Um, like they're an amazing bunch of players. I, I think the last two Ryder Cups though, I think Europe have had a couple of the strongest teams we've ever had, um, including this one. And I think, yeah, individually, I, I think people forget though, like you look at all the individual accolades that America has. I mean, most of the biggest events in golf are played in America. So like, you know, it's, it's likely that they're going to have most of, most of the titles, but we've got world number one. Um, which is always a bonus. We had world number one last time, and uh, we have an amazing record in the Ryder Cup. Which, whenever you come into a tournament, you know you you come into individual events and somebody will have a great record in that event, and you'll expect them to do well. Well, Europe have an amazing record in the Ryder Cup, and I um, I expect us to do great. We have an amazing bond. We we gel so well as a team, and that's a huge huge part of it. So there's there's no denying America are great. And um, it's going to be very hard, but I um, I don't expect anything else but Europe to win, to be honest. Oh, we like that confidence. <laughs> excellent, excellent. It's live, this, by the way. It's on it's right now on Sky. Right, that's fine. Um, give us an idea about the team, how it looks on paper, because there's a three rookies on ours. There's six on theirs. There is definitely a changing of the guard in the United States, which might be a good thing for them, because as much as they've always had these huge players with massive resumes as individuals, they've not been very good in the Ryder Cup in recent times. We have. Our rookies in particular, when you saw the picks yesterday, uh, Sergio and Ian, but obviously Shane in there as well. How do you like how our team's looking? I think the team looks great. I, th I think um, rookies, especially these days, rookies aren't the, you know, they're not that much of rookies. Like the tournaments that we play in, um, 
the experience that experiences that you gain now uh yeah Ryder cup's different but rookies aren't like you know that much of rookies i mean shane shane's one of major um you know when you look at victor hovland what he's done like it, you know burns won countless times um and then the same on the american team so i i think um yeah it's a new experience for people but i think rookies are you know vastly experienced and they've had massive massive moments in their careers already leading up to a Ryder cup and people are doing it younger and younger so um doesn't mean that much and you know there's some amazing players just before we move on to talking about today um i just want to know about that first tee experience it always interests me because uh, it was something that i never got the privilege to, to experience what's that's like in that opening tee shot at the Ryder cup none of us have here <laughs> actually but the um because they all suck like me um <laughs> What's the what's it like? Like, try and give us an idea about what that feels like getting that ball on the tee and that energy on the first tee, especially last time. Seven thousand people around that mm. first tee at the Golf National. What's yeah, it like? I think first of all, I think what people won't know is, as a kid, as a seven, eight-year-old kid, I used to follow Nick Dowett here around the country, playing for the county and everything, playing for England. Excellent. I literally used to follow the team bus because my brother was on it as well. So, <laughs> uh, so like you were one of my uh, one of the people I looked up to when you were playing. So people should know that. Um, but the Ryder Cup, like for me, I had, I had a lucky first tee experience because all you know, you hear so many. I won't say horror stories because you've never seen anybody miss the ball, but like, um, you know, people people go on about well, they couldn't put the ball on the tee, or I was seeing three balls and I had to hit the middle one, and it, you know, I didn't know what to do. Grip felt like a baseball bat, things like that, and I felt fine. I mean, there's a few things. My my goal for two years had been the to be on that first tee on Friday morning. And I felt like when I walked onto the first tee, I'd achieved something huge in my career. That kind of relaxed me for one. Um, I knew the course, I'd won on the course. Um, at the time I had this blue Nike 500, which I'd, I'd, to this day I never missed a shot with until it cracked. Um, I was playing with Fran. Uh, like th there, was, there was so many familiar things that kind of relaxed me and I felt okay. So. Like I had a really nice experience, but you do hear some shockers. Um, it's still like a very hard, like a very sort of tough experience. I was watching the guys at the Solheim Cup. I mean, like they're all in a fairway wood isn't the club that I would choose to be honest no. with you. To it, I just want to <laughs> put peg the driver up and smash it somewhere and get on with it from there. And um, I, I think Alathabel told me a great story when he was walking to the Ryder Cup and he was nervous as anything and he was playing with Sevi. Sevi put his arm around around him and just said, "Look, make contact." and we'll deal with it from there. And I felt like Sebi was probably the most comfortable person you could feel with, I can hit this anywhere and I'll be fine, like I feel it. But it is, it's, it's just a completely like different experience to anything you ever get. Awesome, Tommy, great insight. So Elliot, there we go. There was Tommy Fleetwood speaking to Nick Doherty. He sounded very relaxed, didn't he? Yeah, uh, brilliant interview. Uh, obviously we love Nick Doherty. On another point, Nick Doherty is phenomenal from being a, a full-time European tour player to what he is now is essentially one of the best broadcasters in golf. But anyway, that's an, another topic. And yeah, I thought Fleetwood was excellent. And I, yeah, I loved his confidence. The stories were brilliant. And um, the line as well, how he, he says he doesn't see anything other than a European victory, which um, is, is great to hear. Yeah, absolutely. He sounds very, very confident. I think he spoke very well. He seems to be in a good place. I know he hasn't had the best season, but actually, I think he's getting into a bit of form. So hopefully, you know, but last time we saw uh, yeah, at the Golf National, how well he obviously played with uh, Francesco Molinari. And hopefully he finds that form again. Because last, I just thinking back of it, you, when you say there, it's three years since the last one, I was like, I can't believe it's that long. But um, the Golf National was, that was a really, really impressive display by the European team, wasn't it? They, they completely destroyed the Americans, didn't they? Yeah, they did in the end. And what was touted as one of the best American teams of all time, yeah, dispatched them with, with some ease. Obviously, Fleetwood's got to find a new doubles partner this time out, and I'm going to be very interested to see who he's paired with. Um, but yeah, my memories from 2018 were um, just the crowd and how much I wanted to be there. It seemed like sort of a football atmosphere. We had the um, Mollywood song to the Yaya Toure tune. Um, and to some of the, the videos just looked incredible. And, and obviously that first tee with the, is it called the, the Nordic clap or the Viking clap or something? Mm. Um, just, yeah, just goosebumps really, just even thinking about it. Yeah, that was uh, kind of uh, inspired by the Icelandic football team's uh, 
supporters at the Euros when they beat England, um, wasn't it? So, um, yeah. I mean, what can you remember from the Golf National? I mean, obviously, as you said there, uh, the whole Mollywood stuff and, and the amazing fans. Uh, I remember Kepka hitting someone, one of the spectators on the first hole quite quite horrendously. Can you remember that? Yeah, that was, that was bad. That wasn't the first hole, though. I think that was on one of the drivable par fours on the <laughs> front nine. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's there's so much to remember. Um, Sergio becoming the Ryder Cup's all-time point scorer. Uh, Alex Norren's phenomenal putt on the last hole to beat Bryson DeChambeau. And um, before he'd even you know, get the chance to shake his hand. He was basically mugged by about five of his partners. And yeah, Thomas Bjorn as well. What a great captain. Lovely guy. And I, you could just tell how much everybody was fighting for him. And, and hopefully Harrington will have that same effect. And um, <laughs> the uh, the tattoo that he had to get in, in the end as well afterwards. I'd forgot about that. that that's, a, that's a good shout, yeah. And I, I think that's the thing I remember, the European team spirit, which was their... Um, they faced a bit of criticism going into that event, especially around the pick of Garcia, who wasn't in the best of form. I think a lot of people, I think including myself, actually thought that Rafa Cabrera-Bello should have got the pick uh, before the event. But uh, I think that kind of stuff really helps them um, because it brings them closer together and they start playing for each other and they say, come on, I want to do it for Sergio as well, show and prove the critics wrong. So, um, uh, yeah, they, I, I don't know whether they're in a similar position this year, they're definitely underdogs, aren't they, going into this year's events? Yeah, but they always are. And I think with the wildcards, um, Harrington, I think, really learnt off Thomas Bjorn last time. Uh, Harrington obviously could have gone for some form guys like Robert McIntyre or um, Victor Perez, someone else perhaps, or, you know, even the experienced Justin Rose. But he went with the experience in Poulter and Garcia. And it is going to be really tough, but I do see quite a bit of controversy on the US side, obviously. I don't know if we'll speak about it, but Kepka's comments last week were not fantastic. Uh, Bryce DeChambeau is playing the World Long Drive Championship the very next day. Uh, says his hands are wrecked as well. So uh, those two have certainly brought a lot of controversy to the team. And uh, I'm not sure if their attitude's in the right spot. Uh, and then also the US has six rookies, which is the most since 2008 when they did actually win. So it might not make a difference. But uh, this is certainly a new breed of US side. Um, a new breed of Americans in terms of the Ryder Cup. Uh, so it's going to be a, a new look US side, certainly, and it'll be interesting to see how they get on. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, uh, well, let's let's talk about that. I mean, Kepka's obviously... I mean, I, Kepka just speaks his mind, doesn't he? Uh, I don't... Kepka's going to give it his 100% whenever he whenever he can. As soon as he's on that on that first tee with, with a big crowd behind him, he's going to be really pumped and big, trying to win as many points as possible. I don't... I think maybe sometimes people look at his comments too much. I think Azinger calling Kepka out is really a bit, I think it says worse things about Azinger, to be honest with you, than it does does for Kepka because, um, you know, Azinger is a, a former a former captain of that 2008 team, indeed. Um, and he should probably know better, shouldn't he? Uh, well, Azinger loves to speak his mind, just like Kepka, I guess. And uh, what he said was if he doesn't, doesn't love the Ryder Cup, he should uh, relinquish his spot, which I think is a very fair point because yeah, the way Kepka was talking about it, for those who don't know, he was he was just saying how tiring it is, how odd it is, how uh, he's not really a team player. When he's at majors, he loves it because he can get to take naps and uh, he just goes to the gym and the golf course and chills out, whereas in the Ryder Cup, he has to go to meetings and he's forced to do things that he doesn't want to do. Um, so yeah, it was a really odd interview. Um, and I think, yeah, but it's a very honest interview as well, isn't it? Again, he, I mean, we, Kepka is someone who gives such good, honest responses to questions. You know, that's if it's, if that's how he he feels. You go, actually, you know, I find it a lot harder than major weeks. Uh, you know, because he has to do all these other things. Then that's just honest feedback, isn't it? And I'm sure there's other people who, who have always thought the same in the past as well. Yeah, probably Americans as well. And that's probably why the European team have won nine of the last 12 Ryder Cups, because they come together as one team, not 12 individuals. And, um, you know, fair play to Kepka. I love him. He is brilliant. He gives us some fantastic quotes and stories in the media. But we don't have to agree with everything they say every time. And this one just basically told us that he doesn't really like the Ryder Cup. 
Yeah, I mean, Rory, before 2010, his first uh, Ryder Cup, he he said, oh, I don't really get it. You know, I, I, I'm not sure whether I'm a big fan of the Ryder Cup. I don't know if you remember that. It's obviously quite yeah. a few years ago. Uh, and he got he got a lot of abuse for that, but then he absolutely loves it now. You know, so I think people, you know, their thoughts turn around sometimes as well, don't they? So uh, is this, what's this, Bryson's second or third? Uh, second debut was last time. Yeah, so I'll be honest with you. Last time out, it wasn't a great week for the Americans, was it? And that was a very tiring golf course to walk around. And it was a tough course to play, wasn't it? So maybe with the American fans on the side, maybe he'll, he'll uh, find a new love for, for the event. I mean, let, let, let's talk about um, Bryson, because we always have to talk about Bryson, don't we? Um, you know, he's saying his hands are wrecked. I don't believe that for a second. I think he's absolutely fine, to be honest with you. He hits so many golf balls every day. Uh, but it is a bit weird that he's playing this long drive thing the day after the Ryder Cup, isn't it? Yeah, very, very, very bizarre. Yeah, what if the US team win? He's just going to fly off, is he, to, I think it's Nevada where this tournament is. Just be like, right, great week, guys. Enjoy the party. Because he's not going to turn up to the World Long Drive Championship hungover, is he, surely? So just... Maybe that might be the... Uh... Maybe you'll try that out. <laughs> Maybe that might be the, the secret for finding those few more miles per hour he's, looking, he's after or whatever. But, uh, you know, well, it, Bryce is Bryce, and he, we, we know he's he's a little bit different. He gets he plays the game in his own way, doesn't he? So, um, wait and see. Uh, I mean, I know Butch Harmon was quite used to saying you think that Brooks and Bryce should be paired together. I don't think that's going to happen, do you? No, but that would be fantastic uh, if... Stricker, Stricker's not the kind of guy though, is he? And just like guys, shut up. You're being, you're being paired together. Just go out and play together and win me a, win me a point, please. Uh, it would be amazing to see. And uh, God, I would love to see that so much. But um, yeah, sadly, it's not going to happen. And those guys are going to have to find new partners. I know Kepka was very handy with Tony Finau last time, and Bryson DeChambeau was, um, I think he was pointless with Tiger Woods. I think. And Phil Mickelson were his two partners, weren't they? So uh, I'm not sure who Bryson's going to be playing with. No, we'll, we'll, we'll wait. Well, we'll, we'll come on to that maybe in a second. I mean, uh, I, one thing I was going to say, no Woods, no Mickelson in the, the USA team for the first time in I don't know how long, uh, a long, long time. Um, so it is a chance for some of the other members of uh, Team USA to shine, isn't it? Um, but it's it's going to be tricky for them, I feel. Yeah, uh, no Furyk, no um, Matt Kutra, none of the old guard. This is a very, very young uh, US team. I think the oldest guys are actually 32, which is Kepka, Finau and Harris English. I could be wrong, but I think that's right. So lots of 26-year-olds and all that. You know, Morikawa, very young, star of the world. Uh, sorry, DJ is 37. He's the oldest. But then the other guys are like the second oldest. Um, so they've got a lot of talent, though. Um, Spieth has been playing great this year. Scheffler, I think, is fantastic. Um, obviously, finished second at the match play this year. Took down Ian Poulter in the semis or the quarters. Um, Berger's been great. Thomas, Cantley. I mean, it's a very, very strong US team, despite all that we've said about them. Um, and I'm not surprised at their favourites. But, uh, yeah, it's just going to be fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's... It's going to be tricky. I, I mean, I do feel that Europe ha are in a very, very strong position here. I know they're not favourites, but um, six uh, rookies on the US team, I feel there's too many. Um, Europe had six last time out. Uh, we played in America and uh, we weren't good enough. Well, there's too many nerves playing away from home. Um, you know, it didn't help. And, you know, we, you mentioned that stat about um, the US obviously winning in 2008, but that was on the back of those, you know, a very strong team playing very well. You're not playing particularly well, but the likes of Boo Weekly who played, you always remember Boo Weekly riding his driver down the fairway. You know, he was there to obviously play well. He did play well, but he was there to get the crowd up, you know, to really be a character within that team um, and to be, you know, to have the home support you know, backing them big time. I don't see where who who are those guys in the American team are going to ride their driver down the first hole. You know, it's it's. I don't see where where the where it's going to come from. You know, there's no Bubba. You know, you can remember at the diner. It was all about Bubba at the start of that week, 
and then before the singles basically um, and that's the first time we saw the crowd cheering whilst they were actually playing their first shots you know he had the character to do that to really get the crowd up you know where's patrick reed captain america you know someone who's had such success in the Ryder cup and a phenomenal um match player amazing player not picked uh, I, I i just fear who's going to fill that void of those guys yeah that's a great point um yeah is it 12 individuals again is it yeah i, I, I don't i mean is, is harris english going to be that guy no chance you know he's a very quiet methodical player you know we talk about patrick cantley you know who's in the team um number four in the world been playing very well but he's he's not the most exciting player to watch is he, he you know he he takes forever over his shots um he's you know he's hard to really get back so uh, you know maybe there is one person on that team who could be the guy to really get the crowd up and that's DeShambo, isn't it we've seen what DeShambo did uh this year at the arnold palmer i mean we were all watching just to see if he could drive that par five he's the person who could potentially get the crowd going isn't he yeah he could be the star another one is justin thomas as well i think uh he is potentially a leader uh speed as well very experienced potentially a leader so you know i hope you're correct but you know you could be wrong there and i mean europe always need the leaders because they're never as strong they they never quite have the same um, I don't want to say talent, but you know what I'm trying to say there. They don't have the stature of players that the US does. So maybe the US doesn't need that. All of those guys are capable of winning matches. So um, even without the team spirit that Europe has, uh, they still could get the job done. Um, and they've got the home fans as well, which is a massive advantage. Although Solheim Cup Team Europe showed that it might not be as big of an advantage as you think. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, you're right. I mean, but I look at that that European team. I think of who the leaders are. Garcia, um, think, what was that stat I saw today? Garcia's won the same amount of Ryder Cup points as the whole of the team of Team USA put together. I think that's correct. Um, uh, Westwood's only just behind him, I think, as well. Pol Polter in what is what is it? His eighth Ryder Cup. I think it's seventh. But... Seventh, sorry, but uh, you know he's been picked five times. You know. Uh, the only thing I worry about Polter is that I think the Solheim Cup team, the European team, did really well, but they didn't fist pump the balls into the hole. You know, they didn't overly celebrate. They didn't get the opportunity to get the, the crowd up. They actually let, you know, they just played very well and they didn't overly celebrate and, you know, and uh, didn't get the, the crowd riled. Whereas I don't think Polter can do anything but overly celebrate uh, especially at the Ryder Cup I think it's gonna be quite hard for him to keep his passions uh, uh, in check isn't it <laughs> yeah his eyes are going to be bulging out of his head after holding a six foot of a par on the first hole aren't they uh, and then obviously we've seen McElroy shushing the crowd before as well uh, John Rahm's very passionate so um, I think Europe has enough guys on the team that are going to get the, the crowds rolled up yeah I, th I think I think you're right Okay, so here we go. We've got the teams. The teams are there. You know, all that chat. You know, I know we could chat about why Justin Rose wasn't been has been picked and and lots of different things. So, who are you going to send out Friday morning? What what are what are they? Four balls or foursomes? Do we know? Uh, foursomes Friday morning, I believe. Friday morning is going to be foursomes. Who are your first? Who's your pairings for both teams? Um, I would go Garcia and Fleetwood out first. Whoa, I mean, where has that come from? What do you mean? Garcia and Fleetwood out first. Yeah. Ryder Cup all-time point scorer, phenomenal foursomes player, playing with one of his best mates in Tommy Fleetwood, who uh, is without a partner this year. And uh, I would love to see those guys paired together. Um, just look on Getty Images. The two love each other. They play with each other an awful lot. Um, and, you know, they're both phenomenal foursomes players as well, aren't they? They're, well, Garcia is one of the best ball strikers of all time, probably. And Fleetwood is a fantastic ball striker himself. So um, with, with Ryder Cup experience, both of them. So, um, yeah, I don't think that's too much of a surprise to put those guys out. Um, and then on the other side as well, probably Spieth and Thomas. I think that is the only partnership on the US side that you can really say is locked in. Uh, they were brilliant in Paris last time out. and. Um, they're probably going to be brilliant again this time. 
Wow, that's I mean that's strong. Uh, yeah, I mean Spieth and Spieth and Thomas. I think we know we're going to play together. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, no, I, I mean I like the pairing, the Garcia Fleetwood pairing. I, I I like a lot. But whether I would actually have them out absolutely number one first pick, I don't know. Uh, for me, I I think it would be John Rahm and someone. To be honest with you, uh, world number one, get him out front and centre. If he's obviously feeling up to it and feeling he's fully recovered after feeling a bit down last week, um, I'd, I'd get him out there uh, early doors. Maybe get him and uh, him and Garcia together, a bit of Spaniards off out the front. That that could be interesting, could it? Yeah, I thought that last time, but they didn't play together. Um, I mean, that would be a phenomenal partnership that I would love to see. Um, I can't see it just because they didn't get used last time, but... Yeah, Garcia and Rahm is, is definitely a pair and I can get behind. Um, also, Rahm and Hovland as well is one that I can kind of see. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's Rahm and everyone, isn't it? That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, we, 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 want them, we want the most... So if you're looking at the foursomes, you, also, you want those most consistent players. And for me, someone who got... Oh, I got very annoyed with Darren Clark's um, picks last, last time we were in America. Well, I think the opening pair was Roy McIlroy and Andy Sullivan, I think, if I remember rightly, which obviously, when you look back on that, is is, is amazing that that happened. Um, but Matthew Fitzpatrick didn't get... A, I don't think he played in a foursomes game. Well, I think he's the perfect foursomes player. I don't know about you. Out the whole of that team, you know, if you're going to use someone who hits every fairway um, in green and is, has a fantastic shot... I mean, he's... He's the most accurate player, I think, in the team, pretty much. He's surely got playing foursomes, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so, actually, yeah. And um, the obvious choice with him would be put with his fellow Yorkshireman, Lee Westwood. Again, another very capable foursomes player. Yeah, I would agree with that. And obviously, they've got the Billy Foster partnership as well. Billy Foster on Fitzpatrick's bag, formerly on Westwood's bag. They're all great friends, so... Um, that's definitely a partnership that we can expect to see. I think that would be yeah, that would be an outstanding partnership, wouldn't it? And also Westwood, what a year he's had when you actually look back at it. I know he he didn't win a, he had so many opportunities to win and didn't and didn't quite get, get it done. But um, you know he's been playing fantastically well, hasn't he? Um, I think he he would be brilliant. There's so many people who you think could do well. I mean, I know we mentioned last time Rory and Wiesberger as well. That would be a strong pairing, I think, as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's one I'd love to see in the uh, the four balls. Um, Rory and Lowry is another one that we can probably expect to see. Uh, and then another one returning from Paris would be Casey and Hatton. I thought they were a great pairing. And yeah. uh, that's another one that Harrington will surely use. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, there's so many. Uh, some of these guys have played so many games. You know, we've, we've seen Rory and Garcia play well together in the past. We've seen Rory and Poulter play well together in the past as well, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I remember last time Rory hit that incredible shot off that downslope on the edge of the water, I think on the 13th at the Golf National. Uh, mm. That was the foursomes of Poulter, and then Poulter went and drained the 15 or 20-footer um, for what was one of the best birdies of the entire week. Yeah, but I think the person who I think most people are going to be wanting to play with, I have a feeling, is Victor Hovland. I just think he's the one... You know, he, he will fit with anyone. He's had such a solid year, hasn't he? Obviously a rookie, very enthusiastic. Um, sometimes I think he's going to be a... I think they're going to use Hovland in the four balls, maybe over the foursomes, you think? Um, every now and then he does seem to have a bit of a blow-up in him. I'm not sure. He, he consistently leads the uh, strokes gained off the tee on the PGA Tour, or, you know, well up there. Um, certainly one of the best ball strokes in the world, and... If anywhere he lacks, it's with the chip and button. So, Peter Green-wise in Fortson's, he would be a great partner for anyone. Um, yeah, does he hold enough putts? I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, he's the world's top 10 player less than a month ago, I think. So, yeah, I'm sure he does hold enough putts. Oh, yeah. Well, he definitely, he, well, he definitely plays well enough, doesn't he? So, uh, uh, I mean, all these guys do. But he's just, oh, he's just spoiled for choice, aren't you? Well, I'd love to be in Patrick Harrington's shoes, I'll tell you that. Um, he's got such a great, a great thing. So let's talk about the USA now. Now we've said about the issues about things. So you know, I think Spieth and uh, Thomas obviously we we expect them to go out together. Um, but who, who who are the big big like ball strikers for four balls? There's one name on there who are if I was playing in that team USA, which obviously I won't be, 
there is one person if i was playing foursomes who who would be my number one pick who's that yeah well it's very obviously that would be, would be the guy who um you want to be a good putter if you're his partner because obviously you want to hit it in the fairway colin morikawa goes and hits it 10 foot for you every time and you go and hold the putt so um it's going to be very interesting to, to see who uh, morikawa gets paired with that's exactly i mean morikawa he has just incredible stats when you look at them he's he's especially as he's um his accuracy with his eyes is is just ridiculous i think if you look back at the stats of it and um he could be a very very dangerous uh force of power. i mean that's someone you probably don't want to go up against who would you, who would you pick who would you pair sorry morikawa up with ah it's a really tough one because we don't get to see so much who the friends are on the pga tour because it's not as a such a united tour like the european tour as we know who all the friends are on in europe pretty much um so it's tough i mean um yeah it's not going to be spieth probably it's not going to be thomas so i think you can count those guys out uh, it could even be dj perhaps i don't know they are tailor-made staffers so they know each other quite well from that um I think DJ is really the only one that's that's coming out to me there because um, I think Cantlay and Shoffley were a fantastic partnership at the President's Cup, so I think that's one that we'll see. Um, so yeah, it's going to be tough for Stricker, I think, more so than Harrington to choose who he pairs together. Yeah, that's that's the thing. There's a few, but I think more well, more okay with either Cantlay or Shoffley that we would be very strong, wouldn't they? What about Tony Finau? You know, that would be uh, you know Tony Finau's length off the tee. Uh, if you're playing foursomes and then you get more account and just chip it, you know, putting it to about five foot, uh, Fina's going to hold the putts, isn't he? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Fina has been known to miss a few putts on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon, but yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, Fina um, played with Kepka last time as well, so I don't know if that partnership will come out again. Yeah, and he did play actually, he played pretty well, didn't he? He played pretty strong, so um, yeah, I mean, I think Daniel Berg is someone who's not getting much attention, probably not that well known, maybe over this side of the pond. But very consistent player, isn't he? Yeah, very exciting. Makes a lot of birdies. Great player, but again, someone who I'm not sure who he's going to play with. Here's, of course, another one of USA's rookies. So they always say, don't they, like, don't put rookies together. Uh, but I think Stricker might actually have to do that this time because half of his team is made up of rookies. Well, yeah, that, well, that's it. And a lot of these guys, they may be rookies, but actually they've got a lot of um, experience, haven't they, really? I know, you know, Berger, as you said, is a rookie, but he has played in something. He played in the 2017 President's Cup. Just having a quick look, he played with Kepka uh, at, at one point. Did he play with anybody else? And Thomas uh, as well. So, you know, he, he's pretty successful that in that event. Uh, just looking, look at that. Reed and Spieth, Reed and Spieth winning everything. Oh, how is Patrick Reed not playing in this event? I just can't, I can't understand it. I know he's not the most popular person in the world but um he the amount of experience and the amount of matches that he's won i just I, it's just a huge hole being left by by him isn't there yeah i uh, i mean if he is fully fit then it's a shocking decision because reed has consistently been a world's top 15 player uh, for the last three years basically since paris and even before that um a, a masters champion wgc winner and an experienced Ryder Cupper who's still in his prime. So, yeah, I agree with you there that it, that decision was um, just bizarre. Uh, it's it's just a, a very odd one. And also, you know, Billy Horshaw as well, again, missing out. Uh, you know, he, he could have been in there as well. I think he could have had a real impact, couldn't he? Yeah, the WGC match play winner. Um, but he just had so many people ahead of him, I think. And I, I look at that US team and I do think it's strong. So... I wouldn't have really called for Billy Horshaw to be in the team before Wentworth, to be honest. So I think, yeah, he just found form a little bit too late. Yeah, and I'm just looking at, you look at some of the the, the other, the, the, the previous President's Cup, which was in 2019, uh, Cantlay, Chauflay, as you say, Finau and DeChambeau were put together in the first uh, day and they lost and then DeChambeau was, was well, benched until, until the singles. Um, uh, so it'd be interesting to see if he, if he overcomes that. But there's a, there isn't anything but you know, Tiger was played with Justin Thomas. You know, Ricky Fowler was in there, Gary Woodland. They, these are all people missing. You know, Webb Simpson, Kucher. Um, 
read again. It's it's going to be interesting, isn't it? These pairings are going to have to to gel very quickly, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And what you know is that well, you you know what Europe's going to turn up, don't you? You know that they're going to be solid. You know they're going to make a lot of birdies. Um, and you know they're probably going to get to 12, 13 points easily. So do they get to 15 or 16? It's it's in the hands of the Americans, I think. Um, because, yeah, we don't know what USA is going to turn up. And I, and I think that's the thing. We've already mentioned so many times, well, 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 he's played together with him and he's played together with him. And, you know, they've done very well. And it's it's just not going to be there. So um, it's uh, even looking back at the last one, you know, who who played with DeChambeau last time? Mickelson, not, not playing. Um, who played with uh, DeChambeau in the afternoon foursomes on the Friday? Tiger Woods, not playing. Uh, you know, it's, um, it's it's going to be tricky, isn't it? They, and if something doesn't quite work and they don't gel, um, they could could get behind. I, I, I'm very positive about this European team, and um, uh, I, I could I haven't felt this positive since Medina. And when I went in, even on that Sunday morning, I can remember thinking, I still think we're going to win this, um, even though that was obviously a miracle. How on earth that happened? Um, I don't know. Whereas the last time out, you know, when we were, um, what, what were we, 10 6 down? Westwood missed that tiny putt back in, um, back in, uh, when was it, 2016? Did you remember that on Saturday evening? Yeah, I've, um, I know of it. I know it was a massive moment in the in the week, but I was, oh, yeah, you, yeah, on a train somewhere in Europe. On a train wandering around Europe. And, uh, you know, that, it just didn't seem quite right, that, that European team. Um, uh, and and, and you know, things didn't quite go their way, to be fair. Um, but this time, I just feel that there's a lot of strength in there. And I mean, it will go down to the singles, won't they? And I know it's impossible to to uh, to predict. Who would you lead out in out of all those those players? Who would you lead out, and who would you have at the at the back? And I know it it, it sometimes works out depending on on uh, on form. But if uh, if you were Harrington, you had to put your your singles out tomorrow. Who would you lead out for Europe, and who would you lead out for USA? I think what you said earlier has convinced me I'll just stick Ram out first. In the decisive match, do you know, I quite fancy Shane Lowry. I would kind of put him maybe 9 or 10. Yeah, maybe, I know McElroy went out first last time, didn't he, against Justin Thomas and lost. Maybe McElroy is someone who you put out 8, 9, 10, 11, again, to maybe win a, a decisive winning point. For the US, it, depend, it does depend on, on the first two days, doesn't it? Because the captains will know who's in form, but um you would probably look at putting out Justin Thomas first again, I would imagine, or, or someone of that ilk. Perhaps even a Patrick Cantley being one of the world's best golfers right now. Or, really, or Murrow Carver. Do you really want Patrick Cantley going out first? You'd be like a uh, oh Cantley's out in front of me, it's just gonna be a five hour round. Yeah, yeah. Holds the whole um rider cup up. <laughs> That's very harsh on Patrick Cantlay, who's a very, very talented golfer, but a little bit slow. And I don't think there's anything wrong with me saying that. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, that I think when you start looking at when you I look at the pairings, I think, oh, Europe are so much stronger than America because of the, the you know, the unknown. But actually, when you start looking at the singles, you think, oh, USA have got very strong in the singles, haven't they? You think you put them in, you could draw them out of a hat. And uh, that they'd be strong, whereas you think Europe, you go, oh, well, you know, you don't, wouldn't want him near the front or the back. There's a lot of people you'd want in the middle. Um, so yeah, we'll wait and see. But no, I'm still positive. I'm not. I'm not changing my positivity on uh, on Europe, uh, which I'm always a very positive person. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So Elliot, where are you? Just you're obviously just going to be stuck at home watching the World Cup this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to be watching every single shot. Probably, we'll be spending more time. Uh, at the door taking deliveries than uh, cooking in the kitchen, I think. So, um, yeah, just fully focused, uh, watching what is just the best event in, in sport. So, um, really, really excited. Absolutely. And, and, of course, everybody out there, if you want to keep up with all the latest from the Ryder Cup, do check out the Golf Monthly website, golfmonthly.com. And, of course, our social media channels at Golf Monthly on Instagram and Twitter and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. Well, thanks for listening today, and uh, thanks for your uh, support there, Elliot. Have a fantastic weekend. But um, I hope everyone listening has a, an enjoyable Ryder Cup, enjoys all the action from Whistling Straits, and uh, hopefully it's a very exciting finish on Sunday. So, Elliot, have a good weekend. Thanks, Tom. You too. Let's watch Europe bring it home. <laughs> <laughs>
let's hope so. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you again soon. Bye.